Pastor Samuel and friends at Park Hills for the opportunity to open God's Word for you this morning. I am privileged to have the opportunity to serve as your associational missionary. Over the years, that title has gone from associational missionary to director of missions to now executive director. But uh, I guess as the executive director, I can pick the title I like the best, and uh, associational missionary sounds pretty exciting to me. Your church is so very faithful in participating with the work of almost 200 other churches in the Austin area. And uh, we ask churches to help us come together and do something bigger than we can do individually. And so our request to churches is that they would give 3% of their undesignated receipts to the work of the association. And uh, we, uh, we have asked churches, if they would, to designate two of that 3% towards church planting. I know it's a little extra work for the staff here, but uh, we get those checks regularly and we appreciate you for that. God is doing exciting things among the churches of the association. Uh, last November at, uh, at our monthly meeting with our pastors, we voted to sell our associational building, which was located at uh, 38th and I-35. Uh, we were using the building, but we felt as though uh, the sale of that building would allow us more opportunity to start new churches. We, uh, we listed the building at $1.65 million dollars and uh, prayed a big prayer because all of the real estate counsel that we got was that the maximum value for that property would be 1.2 million. As the Lord always does, he showed off, and uh, we had a lady show up with a cash offer of $1.76 million. She chose to uh, pay in cash, so that kind of helped on the closing part of the deal. And uh, that money is now invested, and uh, annually we will draw a little over $100,000 that we can put towards church planting. And because we don't have the building and all the upkeep, uh, we have doubled what our associational monies are working toward church planting. So I just stand before you today absolutely excited that annually we will be putting, as an association, $160,000 into new church plants in the the city of Austin. So thank you for your significant part uh, in all of that. And it's so good to be with my dear friend, uh, Dr. Clintock. I'm saying that prophetically. Uh, I got a word this morning that uh, December of 18, we're going to have a big party, and so I'm going to just go ahead and put that out publicly for all of you. I, uh, I should be a better friend when I was finishing my doctor's degree, so just let me put it to you. Mine is doctor's degree light. His is doctor's degree real stuff, and uh, he was my editor-in-chief, and uh, man, if he hadn't helped me, but the best thing that I can do for him is to pray and not mess with the editing, because I'm, that's not my thing, but... Pastor, thank you so very much. I um, so love he and Anka and their family. Makes me feel very old. I knew them before they were married. And uh, so uh, it's, an, it's an interesting uh, and a blessed time to be here after seven and a half years as pastor of Park Hills Baptist Church. Mary Catherine, thank you so much for your testimony uh, on prayer. As a, as a pastor, I always loved having folks in our worship services share testimony. Because often they looked at me as the guy that's supposed to be selling them on stuff. They're supposed to be communicating the impact of stuff. But uh, I saw the testimonies as satisfied customers. And I don't mean in any way to demean that. But boy, I tell you what, when God speaks to you and you put into play the disciplines of, uh, of the Christian faith, how God works and how God moves. And this morning I want to share with you about prayer and the impact of prayer and how specifically it even fits with you and your church here. In Mark chapter 1, don't turn there, I'll be moving around very quickly, 
But uh, in Mark chapter 1 and verse 35, it speaks about Jesus and his daily habit. It says, In arising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he, speaking of Jesus, departed, went out to a desolate place, and prayed. If Jesus himself and his life and his ministry saw the value and the impact in prayer, shouldn't we even more see the value and the impact of that? And I stand before you this morning to tell you that I have not gotten this down, but I am learning and becoming more and more passionate about this thing called prayer. The text this morning that I'm going to turn our attention to is Romans chapter 12, verses 9 to 12. And that passage, the Apostle Paul is church, writing to the church at Rome, but ultimately to all Christians, and he is encouraging them to be devoted in their service to God. And so there's a list of things in verses 9 to 12 that he is asking them to do. He's encouraging them to do as they grow in their sanctification, as they grow in this becoming more like Christ. And here's how it reads from the English Standard Version. It says, let love be without hypocrisy, verse number 9. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Now, there are many other translations, and, and we, in our English language, we grasp at, at trying to understand the the, the meaning and the nuance of the words that are there. But this word in the ESV, steadfastly in prayer, has been translated in under other translations as constant, as faithful, as persistent, and even the word earnest. And if, as you look at the variations of that word steadfast, and you see constant and faithful and persistent and earnest, you come away with one word that to me really sums it up very well, and that's devoted. Now, when we think about devotion in our own life, we could say, well, I am emotionally devoted to this or that. I'm financially devoted to these people. I, I owe them something. I'm financially committed there. Maybe you would say to your spouse, I'm physically devoted to them. They're my one and only. But when you think about devotion as a Christian, have you ever thought of it in terms of prayer? Now, Samuel could tell you the New Testament word here, and I'll leave that up to him. But this specific word, this word devotion or steadfast or constant or faithful or persistent or earnest, in five out of the ten times that it's used in the New Testament, it's referring to prayer. And as we study God's Word and as we read it and as we begin to understand the uniquenesses of it, for over five out of the ten times that the Word is used, it's re referencing prayer. Wow, what, what can that mean for us? You find it in Acts chapter 1 and verse 14. And I'll give you these five passages here. If you want to jot those down, you can look at it later. In Acts 1.14, it says, These all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 40, 42, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. 
Acts chapter 6 and verse 4, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. And then this verse of scripture, rejoice in hope, persevere in tribulation, devote to be devoted to prayer. So what does it mean to be devoted to prayer? In the New Testament, we find that the normal Christian life that one of the normal activities of the Christian life was a devotion to prayer. And so we should ask ourselves if prayer is a part of our sanctification, if being devoted to prayer is something that we're asked to do in our dedicated service to God, am I devoted to prayer? And we would agree that all prayer is important. But praying only when crisis hit our life probably, I think you would agree, doesn't constitute being devoted to prayer. Those 911 prayers, and we all pray them, Lord, I need help right now. That wouldn't, in my estimation, constitute devoted, devoted to prayer. Praying only at mealtimes, praying only before we go to bed, or that periodic, Lord, help me with this, help me with that. What does it mean to be devoted to or committed to prayer? Let me share with you what I believe, for me, God has, has led me to in that. To be devoted to prayer is a discipline, is an activity in your life that just as you would schedule other things, you, you account for it throughout the day. And I'll be honest with you, the Lord is growing me in this discipline, but when I get up in the morning, I began with a prayer thanking the Lord for the night's rest and for the day. But I try throughout the course of the day to intentionally stop, and I like it more when I haven't written it down on every hourly ping by my cell phone, and I just to myself say, you know what, I haven't talked to the Lord in 20 or 30 or maybe an hour. About a month ago, I was just absolutely cranking through all the stuff that I need to do, and I am just rabbit at making lists of stuff and I'm slashing off stuff that I'm doing and it's obviously been a good deal of time since the Lord and I had had a conversation and I stopped and I said Lord I'm I'm sorry I've I haven't stopped to pray Lord thank you first that I'm whittling through my list but what would you to have me to do today and the Lord brought to mind which is one of the things that happens in this devotion to prayer and not in an audible way, but the Lord had said, you know, you had committed to your wife, Julie, that you would call Steve Dillard because Cindy, her friend, needs a new car. And, man, you could bless your wife by following through on your commitment. That's always a good thank you, Lord, for reminding there, men, you know, if no other reason to pray for God to wake you up there. So I call Steve. Steve is the son-in-law of Carl Van Ryswijk. I said, Steve, how you doing? I said, listen, I need your help. My wife's friend Cindy's daughter crashed her car. She needs a new car. And if you know anything about Steve, uh, he's a used salesman extraordinaire. And I always tease Steve because immediately when you call, he already knows the car that you need to buy. And he said, well, I've got just the vehicle. He said, my mother-in-law has gone on to be with the Lord, and we had a van for her that is prepared uh, to have a wheelchair uh, to roll into it, and uh, we can sell that to you for a really good price. 
And I just love Steve and his friendship so much because I'm thinking, Steve, a 21-year-old girl? I'm thinking a wheelchair accessible van is not exactly it. But I said, you know, hey, listen, man, we'll, I'll take that under advisement, and uh, we'll, be, we'll be praying about that. Thank you so very much. And, uh, man, I'd, it had been a while that I had talked to him, and, and we hung up the phone. I've been so excited because now I've done something that, you know, was something that I hadn't remembered to do, and I told the Lord, I just, I, I just even stopped. I just said, Lord, just give me some names of some people that I need to talk to that I haven't talked to. My brother-in-law is going through seminary right now. He's formerly an attorney, and uh, I hadn't talked to him in a while, and so I picked up the phone, and I said, Michael, I don't know why I'm calling you. I just want to tell you that I'm praying for you today. I know you're going through seminary, and, uh, man, I hope everything is well. And he says, he calls me Smith. Um, and you may do that as well. I'm not sure. Just, hey, Smith, it is just so crazy that you're calling me. And I said, why? And he said, because you just came to mind. And I said, well, I must have because you never answer my phone when I ring. And again, I, that's a, an aside note there. I don't know why. I always go to voicemail with him. And I said, he, and I said well, let me tell you what, what's going on. And uh, as the association, we were being sued because we didn't pay taxes on a church that was deeded to us. And he's an attorney, so I was getting a little counsel from him. I said, I got to go to court tomorrow. What do we need to do? And as he's so very patient, at the end of the time, he goes, okay, I'm going to blow your mind with something. He said, I've been praying. He and his wife moved to Fredericksburg, bought a house, have turned it into a house of prayer. You can pray there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Just pray. No services. They have some music in the background. But Catherine, Mary Catherine, you'd love it. And you go pray. And he goes, we were praying the other night, and we figured that there was a group of people that God was just not able to to minister to or we were not able to minister to as God would lead us to and I've got the craziest of requests do you know of anybody who has a van that's wheelchair accessible now if you write that off as coincidence you need to go through discipleship or something God is in this so I call back Steve and I told him the story he said well, let me call Carl talks to Carl calls me back and they said yep man this is it but here's the cool part. We just want to give it to you. I called my brother-in-law back. I said, listen, not only has God got you the van, I said, and I've never run across one of these things before. But God's going to give it to you. And folks, I believe in our life that when we find ourselves devoted to prayer and seeking God continually throughout the day, I think God's going to direct us to pray for people, and we might not ever know the rest of the story but we might be that person that God has to stand in the gap. Jesus saw it important to step aside to seek his heavenly Father. How much more important for us? And it says that Jesus is the right hand of the Father interceding on our behalf. What if Jesus is prompting us in our spiritual life to pray for one another? I used to tell people this. They'd come to me and they'd ask me, you can imagine in my role, hey, could you help me with this or you could help me with that? No, I'm so sorry I can't do that, but at least I'll be praying for you. And I have absolutely revised that statement. Here's what I now say. I'll be praying for you, and if there's anything less I can do, you let me know. If you came to me this morning and said, you know what, Dave, I'm telling you, I'll make you a deal. I'll give you $1,000 a week for the rest of your life or I will commit to praying for you. And let's just make it simple. Eight hours a day. I'll take the eight hours a day for the rest of my life. The power of prayer is amazing. And God says that we're to be devoted to prayer. 
And what that lets me understand and realize is, is that that prayer can take place anywhere at any time that I am. I can wake up in the middle of the night. And the older that I get, the more I wake up in the middle of the night. And I've committed that, Lord, if I wake up in the middle of the night, I'm going to begin to pray. And I never have any problem going to sleep. And I just begin to pray as the Lord leads and guides and directs. And I want to tell you that has made an incredible difference on my life. And I am so thankful that your church is committed to praying on Sunday night. I hope that you'll commit to pray toward that end. And when you begin to pray, it's not the kind of prayer meeting where you show up and you've got everything already figured out and you're taking it to God and you're saying, God, bless my prayer. Don't smile because we do that sometimes. We strategize, we figure out exactly what needs to happen and we take it to God in prayer. I think it was highly significant that God led you this morning to pray for Kenny Avenue Baptist Church. Pastor doesn't know that this morning at 8 o'clock I met with their pastor search committee. And I told their pastor search committee to do something very significant. I said, when you meet, make sure that you pray. I said, pray for as many minutes as you meet and two things will happen. Number one, you'll find the right guy and number two, you'll have shorter meetings. If you're going to have an hour meeting and you know that you've got to pray an hour afterwards, you're going to be pretty succinct in that meeting. But folks, prayer changes things. So why should you and I be devoted to prayer? And I just jotted down a couple of things. Number one, the Bible tells us to pray, and we should do what God says. I mean, it's that easy. Why should we be devoted to prayer? Because God says in his word that we should be devoted to prayer. That's a part of our spiritual life. That's a part of what we're to do as Christians. But the second thing that I would tell you is this, that prayer changes us. Hear me. Prayer changes us. As you begin to pray, and even if you pray the type of prayer where you come to God and you've got it all figured out and you begin to tell God, God, just please bless my prayer, and you're nagging and nagging and nagging and nagging, God, please bless my prayer. I know what I need. I know what I want. The Lord begins to direct your heart and changes us and challenges us as we seek God's face and spend time in his word we will be transformed in that communication in that time of prayer our desires become replaced with his desires and our thinking will align more closely with his thoughts I am blessed to have two amazing parents in fact I'm doubly blessed because I have in-laws that were just passionately committed to the Lord and to prayer. My mother has now gone through her second bout with cancer. And yes, she prays that God would heal her of that, but there's such depth in her prayer because in the midst of this cancer, She's praying that God would be glorified and that God would use it as an opportunity for her to witness and testify. She is not going to waste this opportunity. And I ask myself in my own life, if I'm devoted to God and I'm devoted to, to prayer, when even challenges come my way, I can, I can take them to the Lord and say, Lord, but for your glory, for your will to be done. And it doesn't mean that all of our prayers get answered the way that we want them to. We would like that, I guess. 
But you know, even when God says no, God's got something better for us. So why should we pray? Well, the Bible tells us to pray, and we should do what God asks. Secondly, prayer changes us. But thirdly, the Lord answers prayer. The Lord answers prayer. James chapter 5 and verse 16 says, says these words, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. God has promised to listen and not only listen, but to respond to the prayers of his children. Isaiah chapter 65, verse 24. Pastor, you're preaching through the book of Isaiah. A powerful verse. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. That's what the Lord says. He assures us that he will act when our petitions are voiced in his name, which is to say, his timing and our timing match. John chapter 14 and verse 13 say, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. But the final thing that I want to tell you, not only do we pray because God tells us to pray, His Word tells us to pray, not only does it change us, not only does the Lord answer prayers, but I believe prayer invites God to act. In 2014, four or five friends of mine were really convinced that the city of Austin needed to be more intent on prayer, that the churches of the city needed to be more intent on prayer. And as we were praying about that, we really felt challenged of the Lord to approach the city council of Austin, Texas, and ask them that they would allow us to pray at the city council meeting that God would fill up Lake Travis. At the time, Lake Travis was about a six, 60 feet below full stage, and we wanted their permission, we wanted their acknowledgement that we wanted to seek God. Now, if you were around in 2014, you know that it was of such magnitude that people were saying that it would never fill up. Some of you are nodding. It, 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 could, it was impossible to fill up. And the stories were horrendous about how much rainfall would have to, have to happen for it to to fill up. And so on Thursday, May 22nd of 2014, we went to the city council and they made a proclamation and they called it Local Ministers Initiative to Pray for Rain in Central Texas. Notice how our city didn't put themselves in the mix at all. Local Ministers Initiative to Pray for Rain in Central Texas. And on that Thursday night, we began with a prayer meeting at Hyde Park Baptist Church. And when we came out, it was sprinkling. Now, I would love to tell you this magnificent story that the rain started going. People were thinking about building arcs, and man, it was flooding. Didn't happen that way. But we continued to pray. At the meeting... Will Davis of Austin Christian Fellowship voiced the prayer for us and he prayed that God would fill it to 681. The city didn't even know what the full stage was. We began to pray and our celebration day that God filled the lake to 681 was Thursday, March 31st, 2016. The Lord had filled the lake full. Now just as the Lord does, if you were to plug in to your computer May 22, 2014 and March 31, 2016, 
You know how many days there are between those two dates? 680. Wow. Isn't that interesting? Now, I have one pastor friend who believes that somehow, Samuel, there's a 681 in there. He can't figure it quite out. We've checked it every different way. But from a Thursday to a Thursday, which is a date that they meet. And folks, I want to tell you that prayer invites God to ask. And I want to ask you in your own life, where do you need to invite God to act? Now, can God act without our prayer? Absolutely. But I think there's a significant thing that happens when we come to God and we invite him to act on our behalf. And I think what the Apostle Paul was trying to encourage the church at Rome was this. Prayer needs to be a vital part. And it doesn't need to be hit or miss. It needs to be a devotion. It needs to be constant without ceasing. It needs to be faithful. It needs to be the kind of prayer I'll be praying for you And if there's anything less I can do, believing and faithful that God will do it, it needs to be persistent. We need to pray as though it depends on us, but praying knowing that it ultimately depends upon God. And it needs to be earnest, believing that God will accomplish what he wants. When I was pastoring in Dripping Springs, A fellow by the name of Dr. Laurel Briscoe came on a Wednesday night to our prayer meeting service. And I had not met him before, and I introduced myself. I said, we don't normally have visitors on Wednesday night. Where are you from? He said, I'm from, listen to this, Kenny Avenue Baptist Church, and I'm very passionate about prayer, and I'm visiting churches around, and I want to just find out how much prayer is taking place on Wednesday night at prayer meeting. And to my shame, I stand before you so embarrassed. We had a little devotional. We prayed a little bit. If God had shown up in the prayer meeting, all the sick people that we ever knew would have gotten well. But that was about the extent of our prayer. But that next Wednesday became a new life in the life of our church because we began to pray, believing Many of you know the story of our daughter Bethany. At 35 weeks, we found out that she was going to be born with spina bifida. She's not supposed to be able to walk. She's not supposed to be able to go to college. She's not supposed to be able to do a lot of things. We found this news out on a Wednesday. Thursday morning, the ladies gathered around Julie. The men gathered around us, and they began to pray for this little girl that was to be born And on Friday night, in the fall, in Central Texas, the people of our church surrounded our house, held hands, and prayed for this little girl. And as I look back over the life and ministry of our church, I think the most significant thing that I see is that we prayed. Do you know in Scripture God says that but my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? Not a house of praise, not a house of preaching, not a house of teaching, a house of prayer. I know your pastor, I know his heart, I know his wife, I know so many of the leaders of your church. Your heart and your passion is prayer. If you're going to focus your time, focus your time on prayer. Seeking the Lord and seeking his will. 
If you're a follower of Christ this morning, then I challenge you to grow in your prayer life. And the only way that you do that is just doing it. But a very helpful way is to have someone else that you can be accountable to or you can check in in with. If you're here this morning and you've not ever given your life to Jesus Christ, the Lord hears a first prayer when we cry out to Him and we confess to Him our need for Him and our desire to have a relationship with Him. And when that relationship is is done, when that relationship is consummated, the open lines of communication never end. At any moment in my life, I can stop and pray and seek and know that He will hear me. And so this morning, as I bring this sermon to a conclusion, I want to ask yourself, if you were to, if you were to measure your prayer life, the depth of that, the frequency of that, the intensity of that, the persistent nature of that, the constantness of that, what would it look like? And I would just challenge you, just this week, schedule more time with prayer. And then report back to the pastor. Let him know of the things that the Lord taught you that, you that you hadn't picked up on before. Read his word and pray. Listen to praise music and pray. Or just quietly step aside from life and allow him to speak. I believe with all my heart, you will sense such a new depth and love and appreciation. But you will sense the power and the working of God like you've never before. So let me pray. Father, I thank you for the privilege this morning of reminding us of something that probably we all know. And Father, before we would be so quick to say, well, I'm, I'm too busy to pray. God, we really ought to restate that, that we are too busy not to pray. God, I pray that for all the things that this great congregation is known for, I pray that they would be known as great prayer warriors. God, as people who believe you to be a God-honoring, a God-answering kind of God. Lord, I pray for myself this morning in this moment that, God, I would be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. God, I pray with my heart revealed to you that, God, may I bring to you in this conversation of prayer God, all that you already know, but you simply want an invitation in to act. So God, I don't know how it is that you're going to challenge each and every one of us this morning to respond to the call to devotion to prayer, but I pray that we would seek out a friend or a pastor or an elder or someone, God, and we would purpose in our heart that we would be more prayerful more committed to seeking you and your face and trusting you. Father, I take great comfort 
in those, those words in Proverbs that say, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He will direct your path. God, we, we acknowledge You. We worship You. And we thank You, Lord, that we submit to You our life and our plan and all that we have. God, so that ultimately, God, we might experience the very best that You have for us. It's in Your precious name I pray. Amen.